Welcome to this edition of the Morrinsville Baptist Podcast. Uh, It's great to have you listening in and we hope that this message comes as a great encouragement and blessing to you. Uh, If you'd like to know any more information about Morrinsville Baptist Church, please check out our website at www.morrinsvillebaptist.com. Kia ora again everybody, um, if you don't know me my name is Tom and uh, I have the privilege of, of serving as one of the pastors here at Morrinsville Baptist Church and uh, this morning I have the great honour of, of uh, sharing with you what I believe God has put on my heart for us this week. But before I do that I just want to take a moment to explain um, how this morning's going to work because uh, this is all new for all of us. <laughs> um, so, so the idea is, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share a little bit. Um, today we're going to talk about communion. And I'm going to talk a little bit and then I ask you to pause the video so you can discuss some questions that I put forward. And you may decide to, to have discussion on other areas or, or add things to that. There's, there's no rules. I just encourage that, that you take time to, to really engage in this and, and all have opportunity to share. And if it raises other questions, that's, that's great. Um, I will put all the questions below this video on, on the website. So if you decide to watch the whole thing um, and come back to it and answer the questions at the end, you can do that. All, they are all written out there. Um, after after that, what we're going to do is we're going to go through communion together. And um, I'm hoping that your hosts or your small group leaders um, have have put brought together some some bread and some something to, to represent the wine because um, we're going to go through that together and there's some some steps there that that I'll talk you through. Uh, I hope that makes sense. Um, we'll we'll begin the message. I know this must feel really strange for some people meeting in homes watching a pre-recorded video with with open discussion. Um, it may not feel like the church we're used to, but I want to encourage you to consider the opportunity that is here as a result of, of this pandemic. We're having to dig deeper, respond more creatively, and rely more heavily on the body of Christ each other. I, I'm genuinely excited about this opportunity, uh, mostly because when I read about the early church in the Bible, there are some great similarities. You know, When the disciples met in the upper room waiting on the Holy Spirit after Jesus left, they, they had a little idea of what was to come, but what came out of that patient waiting was a powerful move of the Spirit of God that empowered early believers to take a firm hold of the Great Commission. Yeah, are you patiently waiting? Um, are you seeking God for His leading? Now, we are in unfamiliar territory and, and we can't rely on what we've, we've always done. Our only certainty is found with our eyes fixed on Jesus. And the exciting part is he knows exactly what comes next. And uh, you know, when we're when we're committed to ser- ser- uh, seeking him, uh, he he will reveal those things. And I just want to ask the question: Are you prepared? Are you waiting, uh, expectantly waiting for for the Spirit of God to lead you? So while we're gathered in homes for the first time in this way, I thought it was perfect timing that we should partake of communion together. So if you can open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, um, that would be great. So 1 Corinthians is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, and there are many things he addressed, but there are kind of like, from what I can see, four main areas that he challenges, that he challenges the Corinthians about. One, their failure to relate to each other in love. Uh, second, there's a failure among the leaders uh, as they're chasing status and influence so that they look good. Um, three, that there's some teaching there that strayed from biblical truth and, and specifically 
um, in denying the importance of their body. And then uh, there were a number of other specific issues relating to members of the church. And it makes me wonder, you know, if, if Paul was writing a letter to Morrisville Baptist Church, what are some of the things he would challenge us about? So we come to chapter 11, verse 23, and Paul begins to challenge the church to realign their focus. And he does this by presenting some, some really basic truths. So let me read to you. Um, actually, before I do that, can I read to you a quote from Derek Prince? Derek Prince writes, he says, Some of the most beautiful, heart-rending words ever spoken by Jesus were these. Do this in remembrance of me. These are the words he spoke the night before his crucifixion as he was breaking bread with his disciples. During these last days of his life on earth, Jesus was, was really intentional. He was instituting for us the most highly treasured sacrament of our Christian faith. It is vital for us as Christians to know some simple, basic truths from the Bible about this powerful sacrament, communion, the table of the Lord. Now, there's, there's a whole heap of commentary on what Paul is addressing in these passages, but basically the issue is around the partaking of communion, and particularly some sort of meal that was, was held in conjunction with it. Um, what was happening here was, was, was really threatening to tear apart the unity of the church in Corinth. So let's read from uh, chapter 11, verse 23 in 1 Corinthians. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim it. Sorry, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be fully condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. There are many aspects in this passage we, we could discuss, but this week we're going to look at, at just four of these. And um, and before I do, I just want to acknowledge um, Derek Prince, an excellent teacher, and he, he's given some, some brilliant teaching on, on the topic of communion. And much of my thoughts today have, have come from some of his resources. So I just wanted to acknowledge Derek Prince, and perhaps if you want to do some more reading, he's, he's a really good place to go. So number one, the first of the four today is is remembrance. You know, when we partake in communion, we do so in remembrance of, of our Saviour. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, these are the words that Jesus spoke, and so we can safely say that this instruction, although Paul's giving it, it's not from Paul, it's from Jesus. And Jesus tells us to remember. So we don't have a responsibility to just read the words 
of the Bible. We have a responsibility to read them, to hear them, to see them, and most importantly, to live them. Every time we do this, every time we partake in communion, we do it in remembrance of Jesus. Every time we live the words of the Bible, we do it in remembrance of Jesus. You know, God never wants us to forget the fact that Jesus died for us as sinners. And uh, Romans 8.32 in the Amplified Translation, it says, He who did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? To help us remember, we have, uh, we have a number of traditions in the Christian life. And, and we know these as, as um, sacraments or ordinances. And simply put, a sacrament or an ordinance, it's, it's a presentation of the most important truths of the gospel. And God has given us ways to do this, practical ways. So for example, baptism uh, is a public declaration of our faith, where we identify ourselves with Jesus Christ in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Now, I could be wrong in this, but I looked and, and I cannot find an example in the New Testament anywhere where someone claimed salvation, say, claimed to be saved without being baptized, hand in hand. In Mark 16, 16, Jesus says, He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. Baptism is a beautiful sacrament that God has ordained for all of us, for all believers, and a beautiful admission to the body of Christ. And it reminds us all that Christ, uh, all that Christ has done for us. So communion is another sacrament where uh, we declare that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that he died and shed his blood on the cross for, for us. And every time we, we partake of communion, we do it in remembrance of him. So how many of us, um, I wonder, have asked questions like, does, does God really care about me? Or, 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 is, or, you know, when things are really tough and we might go, man, has God forgotten about, about me? Does he even know that I exist? You know, when we remember the cross, these questions and many others like it, they, they soon fade away. You know, those words, do this in remembrance of me. It leads us to a place where we were reminded of the very heart of the gospel. And then you've got those words, do this often, as often as you drink. You know, I believe that it's intended for us to, this, this is an instruction for us to remember these things often. And that brings me to, to our first question this morning for us to discuss. And uh, it is this, if we remembered all that took place at the cross, if we fully unpacked everything that took place at the cross every single day, how would that influence the way that we live? And as we talked a little bit there about baptism as well, you may want to have a discussion around that too. So number two uh, is proclamation. When we partake in communion, we, we proclaim the gospel. And from verse 26 it says, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. When we partake of the emblems, we make a proclamation of tremendous significance. We are proclaiming to the whole universe, all the seen, all the unseen, to all the angels and the demons, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died and shed his blood on our behalf to redeem each one of us. You know, we are proclaiming our faith in him as Saviour, and we are proclaiming our faith in his atoning death on, on our behalf. The verb proclaim that Paul used here 
It occurs only in the book of Acts and in Paul's letters, and it refers to proclaiming or preaching Christ. In other words, uh, the sacrament of communion, it's a visible means of telling the story of Jesus' passion and death. So it brings me to our second question this morning. I want to ask the question, how influential is the death and resurrection of Jesus in your life? How influential is it in the way that you worship? How influential is it in the way that you approach challenges? So number three is anticipation. When we partake in communion, we anticipate the return of our Lord. And again, verse 26, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We're not just to look back at Jesus' death and proclaim it. We also look forward to his coming with great anticipation. And whenever we partake in communion, we're reminding ourselves the truth that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We are reminding ourselves the truth that he will come again. Sir Robert Andrew, he writes this, he says, When we partake of communion, everything else drops out of sight. For that time, we focus only on the issues that really matter. No past but the cross. No future but the coming. No past but the cross. No future but the coming. And Derek Prince writes this, he says, No matter what we do as the body of Christ, I am convinced that the only ultimate solution to the earth's problems is the personal return of Jesus. If he doesn't come back, we are in a mess. We will never get out of it. The hope of the world lies in, in the return of Jesus. And when we partake in communion, we testify to the truth that he will return. When we study the Last Supper, um, just to go a little bit deeper, we, we see that communion, it actually becomes a foretaste of the great wedding banquet in store for all believers. And if, if you want to take some time, you can read Revelation 19, um, 6 through 9, and, and might be something you want to discuss as a group, this idea that, uh, that communion becomes this beautiful foretaste of, of that great wedding banquet that is, that is laid out in, in Revelation. If we lived expectant of the Lord's return at, at any moment, would that change the way we approach each day? And what does the day of his return look like? What does it look like to you? Have you thought about it? And how would you respond? Number four, discernment. When we partake in communion, we have a responsibility to discern the health of the body. It says this, For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. And uh, in 1 Corinthians 10, 17, Paul says this, he says, Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. You know, when we, when we partake in communion, the loaf doesn't just represent the body of Christ, which we feed upon. It also represents the church, which is his body. Derek Prince says this, he says, that little piece of bread in our hands is the very body of the Lord, if, if you partake rightly. Secondly, residing in the people around you who partake of the same bread is the living body of the Lord. They are the members of his body. Let us pray that we will discern one another rightly. Now, my understanding of this is that Paul is warning us to examine ourselves before we take part, uh, before we partake in communion. Yeah, the church in Corinth, it, was, it sounds like it was a mess in a number, uh, in a number of ways. 
And uh, we read in James 2.10, it says that sin renders one guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. You know, we cannot properly recognize the body of the Lord if we have not done this examination. In other words, the, the sacrament of communion, it's, it's a time to reflect not only on whether we are uh, serving the Lord worthily, but also on how we are treating each other. If we're treating each other shamefully, uh, we're eating and drinking judgment on ourselves if and when we partake of the Lord's Supper. How, how does the following sentence make you feel? If we are treating each other shamefully, we are eating and drinking judgment on ourselves. Question two. It is evident that the body of Christ, the church, is a very important thing to God. Do you think that we should take more time to examine our lives? And what do you think it would look like to treat one another in a way that glorifies God in the context of differing views or offence? What would it look like to treat one another in a way that glorifies God? Uh, at the start when I said there were four, I was, um, <laughs> I was wrong. There's actually five. I've written five of these. So this is number five, participation. When we partake in communion, we do so in unity with, with all believers. Now, if we look at 1 Corinthians 10.17 again, it says this, Because there is one life, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one life. Do you believe that there is only one true source of life? You know, and, and the fact that it is the flesh and blood of Jesus. John 6.53-56, Jesus says this, He says, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Now, I'm not going to unpack the depths of this passage, but, but I want to point to, to one word, and that is the word has. Did you notice that? Jesus, he doesn't say, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life. He says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. He said, our life is dependent on the continuing relationship with him. Jesus is saying that if you eat of this bread, you will live forever. Does that not produce like an abundance of hope in you? To know that when we partake in communion, as we remember all that Jesus has done, as we proclaim the truth of his death, when we excitedly anticipate the coming return of our Saviour and King, when we partake together as the body after humbling ourselves to bring all our sin before God, we participate in the promise that we have an eternity in heaven without pain, without suffering and glory with our Heavenly Father. I hope that produces a huge sense of joy and hope in you. As you come together in your homes now to take part in communion together, I want to, I want to encourage you to, to consider these aspects we've talked about. Within your group, take time to share stories of how Jesus has changed your life. Uh, don't rush this. So take time to ask each other questions and, and, and listen to each other's testimonies. Now, this is an opportunity to bring glory to God and acknowledging what He has done in our lives. I'd encourage you now to watch uh, this, this short sermon. It's, it's just over three minutes by, by Dr. S.M. Lockridge. 
um, around uh, and, and just listen to the words and, and, and really dwell on the words that he has to share. And if you wish to add to this uh, when it's finished, by, by all means, take your time and do that. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Now I encourage you to take some time to wait on the Lord and ask Him to reveal any offensive way within you personally uh, and, and take time to acknowledge your sin and seek forgiveness. If you're comfortable, you may wish to share that with, with those around you uh, or you may just wish to keep that to yourself. And once you've done that, I'd encourage you to take some time together to seek the Lord about anything within the group and the wider church 
that we that we ought to seek forgiveness on and and then seek forgiveness together bring that before the lord so let's let's take communion together i'd ask that uh, one person from your group would would pray for the bread and lead the group in this first part of communion and uh, i'm going to put put a little script up on the screen here uh, for that person to read through Now ask if somebody else in the group would, would step forward and, and pray for, for the wine, for the cups, and lead the group in the second part of communion. And again, I've put a script up on the screen. You don't have to use it, um, but if you could read through that and, and lead your group uh, through this part of communion. And just uh, by way of doing this together, let's take some time to pray for one another. And, uh, and anyone else that you might be aware of who, who has a need for prayer, take some time to, to ask the Lord to place things upon your heart and, and take some time to just, just really pray this morning. Well, thanks so much everyone for, um, for being patient with, with me this morning and, and working through this. I, I hope that it's been a special time for you and I, pray, I, I really hope I've been praying that it would be a time of growth and uh, where the Lord would, would perhaps challenge some areas of, in our lives, but also encourage us. And um, yeah, I, I just think communion is, is such a beautiful thing to be doing together. Um, I do appreciate feedback. Uh, this is new for all of us, and um, and I appreciate that there'll be things that, that work and things that don't work. So please feel free to give me feedback. Um, um, some encouragement would be lovely as well, but if there are things that, uh, that you think we could be doing better, um, I'm not saying that we will necessarily do them, but but it's it's all helpful and 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 shaping what we what we'll do in the future. Um, so yeah, pray that you guys have a, a wonderful time together. And uh, I know some of you are going to share lunch together now, which is great. Um, take your time, enjoy each other's company, and uh, and I look forward to seeing you all again soon. Let me finish with a karaoke. Kiuna tato, kia tu mai ara, ete moi hotanga, kei te aroha a ihu kia tato. Let us stand courageously in the knowledge that Jesus loves us and let us go in peace. Amen. Uh, yeah, have a great day guys. Um, take some time to recognise that this is Waitangi Day, an important day for us as, 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 uh, as Kiwis and um, I just yeah, continue to lift each other up in prayer. God bless. Uh, ka kite anō.